So if you have your Bibles, guys, let's go back to Paul's letter where we left off uh, talking to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, if you will, uh, and, and start at verse number 1. Now, again, uh, we started this series and we uh, shared with you some things that, that we thought would be helpful in, in helping us to capsulize what it means to be a believer who operates in the spirit of generosity. I shared with you when we first started this, I had, I talked to you about how, how, how a person receives the word of God. It's going to determine the fruitfulness of that word in their life. Uh, we looked at the parable of the sower and we discovered that the, the, the success of the seed, which was in Jesus parable, the seed was the word of God. The success of that seed is wholly determined on the condition of the soil in which it's planted in. Now I need to see if all of y'all were paying attention. What does the soil represent? The condition of man's heart. So as we talk about the spirit of generosity, if this word is going to take fruit and produce fruit in your life, your heart has to receive it the right way. Can I get a witness? You can't receive it like some people will. Well, here, here, here's the preacher again talking about money. I knew sooner or later it was going to get down to that. Or would you be like those folks who, uh, it, it, in the book of Acts, where they received the word of God, not as it was, I think it was Thessalonica, they received the word of God, not as it was the word of man, but as it was the word of God being expressed through a man. I've told you before, I am just a vessel. Can I get a witness? I Listen, there is nothing special about Doyle or Adam Sr. I'm just a vessel that God is utilizing in this space right here at EBC Benton to give you a word from him. Because God knows that 85% are not reading his word. Oh, come on, you can say amen with him. 85% of Christians don't have a time where they, where they get before the Lord in, in, in prayer uh, and study of his word. So, so most of the time, the word that most Christians get comes on Sunday morning. So God put me here as a vessel, nothing special about me, but he's bringing a word from heaven down through me out to you. And so how you receive it is going to determine what kind of impact the word has. Amen? Amen. So check your heart. Look at the neighbor and say, neighbor, check your heart now. Some of y'all need a heart transplant right now. Hello? And so we're going to give you a chance to have a heart transplant at the end of this service because we're going to extend an invitation. Some of y'all just need some valves replaced. Hello? Anybody, anybody ever had heart surgery? I know we've had some people who have. Uh, one, I know Brother Pat, some others. Uh, but, but heart surgery is a very serious thing. And so as I'm talking, uh, you know, just, just from a... a, 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 a Example standpoint, I need you to understand that how you receive is going to determine what kind of success the word has in your life. So get your heart ready and don't come with a, a contrite, uh, come with a contrite heart ready to receive what God has to say to you. But don't ever come to the word of God into a setting like this with a heart that's built up with, with, with just hardness like the, pair of the seed that fell by the wayside. Don't, don't ever come with a heart that's divided halfway in the world and halfway in the church. Or in, in the Lord, okay? Because that's sooner or later that the weeds and the, and, the, and the cares of this life is going to grow up and going to choke out the seed of the word. But have that good ground heart where you can take this word and receive it. So look, look with me again. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And what did I tell you? What kind of church was the church at Corinth? Fleshy. Come on, everybody say fleshy. fleshy. They were worldly. They were carnally minded. 
they were, they were still doing some things from their past. They brought some stuff from the past over into the future. How many of y'all still got some stuff that you brought from your old days and you still kind of wrestle with it and you have to pray in the Holy Ghost that it don't rise up sometimes? Anybody got some stuff that they brought over into the saved life? Do I need to go and, and, and interview some people who live with you? Can I go and talk to some people who live with you, who, who know you, who see you outside a Sunday morning with, you, with your dressed up pretty amen self? If I go and interview somebody, if you go and interview my wife, she'll tell me that I got some stuff from the old life that I brought into the new life. And not, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about just stuff that, 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 that just random uh, all the time, what we consider to be sinful stuff, but there are some ways, there's some ways of thinking that I have to, I have to, I have to battle with my mind to not let it infiltrate how I do life. And many of you sitting here today are just like me, have some family of origin stuff that is still impacting the way you do life today. And God is saying, I need you to, yeah, appreciate your family of origin, but now you're in a new family, the family of God. You are kingdom citizens. And God said, I want you to act like you are part of the kingdom. Can I get a witness? So I got to get to the word. Come on, let's go. Second Corinthians chapter number eight, verse number one again. Come on, let's go real quickly. It says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. All right. They are being tested by many troubles and they are what? very poor but they are also filled with abundant joy which has overflowed in what in rich generosity this church in Macedonia was poor yet because of their of their desire to please God and because of what God was doing in their lives they 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 overflowed in rich generosity text says in verse number three let's go guys for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford but far more. And they did it of their own free will. Everybody said, nobody made them do it. Next verse, let's go. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for. Their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. They gave themselves to whom? The Lord and to the Apostle Paul. In other words, they were willing to, to, to submit to Paul's apostolic leadership. They were willing to do life together with the Apostle Paul. How many of y'all are willing to give yourself to the Lord, but not to anybody else? Therein lies the problem, guys. We're talking about discipleship, and one of the things that we're going to unpack for you on next Sunday is, 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 is uh, well, when we, when we meet, it's talk about what when we, every Sunday when we say, who are we? We are disciple believers who consistently walk in the ways of God and have kingdom impact in our homes, schools, jobs, and the community at large. We will reflect our faith and lead others into a personal relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who we are seeking to become. But in order to become a disciple believer who's actually living this stuff out, who's actually been having impact in, in society, in, in our communities, in our homes, and wherever we go, in order to do that, we must submit to a discipleship process just like the, 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 the original apostles did when they walked with the Savior. But, but, my, 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 so, but, but the problem is, it's like 
See, this church here, they, they, they gave themselves to the Lord and to us. Which, what, what Paul, when Paul says that, that means that they were willing to submit to his apostolic authority. They were willing to do like Hebrews says, obey your spiritual leaders because they're watching for your soul. They're watching over you. As you and again, I don't say this from a, from a, from a, uh, a narcissistic point of view. Uh, the role of a pastor is a, is a very tenuous, tenuous role sometimes. And because what I'm doing is trying to teach you, I can't make you, which I never would try to make you because you don't belong to me, you belong to him, God. But when you, as, a, as a, a member of the body of Christ, give yourself to the Lord and to the apostolic or the pastoral authority which you're sitting upon, then it will begin to show itself in how you do life in church. You become a disciple one. You say, you know what? Uh, I know my, 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 my time with the Lord is not where it needs to be, but I'm going to connect with that next discipleship training class in August. Uh, where, where we begin to study the book of Hebrews. And even though I'm not, I, I haven't really done any of those classes, but today is going to be different. I'm going to stop being me and I'm going to start letting Jesus Christ work through me. I'm going to start being like the Apostle Paul when he said in Galatians 2 and 20, one of my favorite verses to quote, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So how many of y'all are willing to die to self? Because if you crucify anything, that means it's dead. Are you willing to crucify your will and allow God's will to permeate in your life? Are you really willing to do that? I will submit to you that most Christians are not. Most Christians have gotten saved They've accepted him as a savior, but is he really Lord of your life? To Lord means that he has control over your life. That means that even when your flesh wants to do some things, because remember, all of us brought some of our old ways into the new life, right? Sometimes, sometimes it'll rise up, won't it? How many of y'all got some old appetites that every now and then, <laughs> they rise to the surface? And sometimes your mind will tell you, well, just, you know, just go back just a little bit, it won't hurt. Oh, just this one time. Just slip over there to her house and nobody will know. It'll be just between y'all, just, just friends with benefits. That's where the enemy drags us in. That's where your flesh, it don't have to be the enemy, your flesh will begin to talk to you. Because, you know, Paul even said that there's no good thing that dwelleth in our flesh. Are y'all with me today? So, so we got to make sure that we stay focused and, and allow the word of God to transform my mind because the Bible says in Romans the 12th chapter that God changes our behavior by changing the way we think. Can we go? They, they, they even did more than we had hoped for for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God had wanted them to do. Next verse says this. Uh, so, so, so we have urged Titus who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. He's talking to the church at Corinth, guys. And what we understand here is that, that they were, there was an offering that was supposed to be collected for the, 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 the churches that were suffering in Jerusalem. And they had promised a year ago to do it, but they hadn't followed through. And again, that's what fleshy people do. They make promises, but they don't follow through. See, when you're spirit-led and you're under the, the, the control of God's Holy Spirit and you're being a disciple believer, when you, when you give your word, you follow through on that word. So we've urged Titus, 
who encourage you to give in the first place to return to you, encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. It was not bucket plucking. It was not just throwing something in the offering. It was a ministry of what? Giving. So giving is a ministry. So I told you, and we begin in this, in this series, I said, uh, there are four reasons why living in the spirit of generosity is smart for us to do. Number one, I told you, it changes our lives. Everybody say, it changes my life. Those who, who, who accepted my challenge and began to do that experience a, 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 an exhilaration, a, a, a healthy uh, encouragement by where the Holy Spirit, after having sown into somebody's life who was not expecting it. See, your children expect you to feed them, right? I am talking about the children that are in your house, and even some of your grown children still expect you to feed them because they're borrowing money from you every other month. But, but, but so, so it's expected for you to feed your children, right? It's expected for you to take care of them and provide a roof over their head. That's, that's, that's your reasonable service to your children. But when you go and sow into the life of somebody who is a stranger or someone in your church who may be suffering or going through something and you step up just when they needed it most and God uses you to help meet that need, there's no greater feeling than to have that kind of feeling when God and the Holy Spirit come together and cause you to be able to do that and bless someone. And when we do that and we operate in that spirit of generosity, it moves the heart of God. So it changes our life. Number two, we said what? Y'all remember? Generosity connects us with others. It absolutely does. It connects us with others. The next thing we said was uh, generosity helps us invest in what matters. What? It, it helps us invest in what matters and what really matters. Things that are of eternal nature. And in Matthew, the sixth chapter, we, we begin to, to unpack some of these things. Uh, go, go there with me right quick. So Paul was writing to encourage this church, this fleshy church, to follow through. Before you go there, let me, let me go down just a little bit further, okay? Can we go a little bit further in, in, in the book of Second uh, uh, Corinthians? Go back to the 8th chapter. Let's, let's go down to verse number 8 there, if you will. Keep moving. It says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but, I, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. He says, I'm testing how, generous, how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. Paul tells this church that I'm testing to see how genuine your love is. Are you going to follow through with what you promise? Now, think about this for a second. He says, the genuineness of your love is being tested because I'm comparing with how eager you are to how eager the other churches are. Let's keep reading. Watch what Paul says here. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Next verse says what? Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Stop right there and pause for a second. I want you to think in your mind. What is it that you started for God and then you stopped? What is it that you, God gave you to do and you knew it was the Lord and you started out, but you stopped? Think about it for a second. I, don't look at anybody else. Don't look at your wife. Mm, you remember you started, you didn't finish. No, don't, don't look at your wife. Don't look at your husband. I want you to look at yourself. What is it that God 
you know he told you to do. You started it, but you stopped. You herky-jerky. You in a little bit, out a little bit. In a little bit, out a little bit. Rather than being steadfast, unmovable, always about the work of the Lord, you're herky-jerky. Start, stop, start, stop. Do good for a little while, then quit. There have been, you know, we we have members, and I love you to death, but some of y'all are so inconsistent. I didn't get one amen on it. I'm going to say it again, and and, and maybe... it's okay. If it's you, just say, hey, amen, pastor, that's me. I, I, need to, I need to be more consistent. What's our motto? We're, we're seeking to become disciple believers who consistently walk. Consistent means that my pattern is such that you can count on me to be where I need to be. Consistently walk in the ways of God. And have kingdom impact wherever we belong, wherever we live, okay? Many times, and I pray for you because God wants to use you, but right now he can't count on you. Because you'll start it and then you stop. You do good for two or three weeks and then we don't see you for two months. And you think that's okay. God called all of us to become discipled ones. When Jesus Right before he ascended back up into heaven, he told him to go and make disciples, not church members. That's why y'all hear me say this all the time, and I sound like a broken record. I'm not so interested in gaining church members. As I told you, I don't get high when people come, and I don't get low when people go. Because guess what? People come and they go. Right? And only thing that I ever ask anybody who joins this church, who, who says they want to come and unite, the only question I want you to know and answer with, with, with your utmost honesty, the question I ask you is for, uh, two questions. Number one, are you born again believer? Because I don't believe in just joining the church and you're not even born again. You don't know what that means. I want you know what it means to be born again believer. And second thing is, do you, do you know and are you assured that the Holy Spirit is leading you to be a part of this fellowship. And if you can answer those questions, man, we, we, we want you to come. If you can't answer, I'm saying go back and pray some more. First of all, if you're not saved, I want to talk to you about what it means to be saved. And then I want to talk to you about what it means and how can we discern what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do, right? Because if you're in the place where the Holy Ghost is leading you, then that's where you're going to best serve. There are some people who don't really know what the Holy Spirit is saying in their lives. So, so, so I, I want to encourage you to be steadfast. Don't be herky-jerky. That's our new word for the week, herky-jerky, okay? So as you go, it, whatever you do in life, be consistent with it. Don't be herky-jerky on the job. One week you work good. The next week you, you, you're taking a nap behind the barn somewhere and people are looking for you. One week you, you plow into your, your job with, with enthusiasm. The next week you're kind of like, ah, I just don't feel like it this week. Whatever you do, the Bible says do it what? Heartily as unto the Lord. Can we keep reading? Here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. They started doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. You can't give what you don't have. Give in, to, in proportion to what you have. I, I, I remember 
you know, because people, people can get emotional about things, but when the emotion dies down, I want to know where you stand. I remember this, this is going back several years. There was, there was, you know, couples in the, in the church at the time, uh, and we had marriage fellowship and the lesson was, was awesome that night. We were, we were over in the middle building and we were, and we were, um, man, we were, the, the, the word was, 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 uh, was hidden home with those who were there. And because I believe in teaching and being honest and transparent when we did with marriage ministry. And, and I, I want to encourage you to sign up for the marriage retreat this year. We're going to have an awesome time over in Frisco, Texas. Sign, sign up. Okay. Come, come be a part of it with us. We've got some great speakers lined up and Maria and I will be sharing too. But this, this sister was so enamored and it was emotional because she says, Ooh, pastor, we all do this every month, every week. And when she said that, I'm like, oh, okay, every month. And she, she's excited right now. And, and, and when she said that, I, I thought to myself, okay, okay, don't, don't let the emotions overwhelm you. Because since that time, I, she didn't even come back. <laughs> so you can get emotional and want to stay at Pentecost, huh? When God says, go. You can get emotion. They experience the, the, the anointing of Holy Ghost being ushered into the earth realm and they want to just abide there in Jerusalem. But God says, I got a place for you to go. This gospel has to go throughout the earth and I need you to get busy going. But they stayed there in Jerusalem. So what did God have to allow? Persecution to come. Sometimes people won't move until they have to move. And that's a sad reality, but in our churches, sometimes people don't really start praying fervently, studying the Bible until something happens. A valley experience, something negative, a trial, a tribulation that all of us are subject to going through. I don't care how saved you are, you can speak in other tongues, you can, you can prophesy, you can do whatever you want to do, but trouble will come knocking on your door. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer some persecution. So he says, watch it. now you should finish what you, what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched by now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Next verse, let's go guys. It says, well, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it how? Now guys, hear me carefully. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Now listen to me. When you're giving, you got to understand that God is looking at your heart and not your hand. And he's the one that has to deem it acceptable or not. Are y'all with me? He has to deem it acceptable or not. The church may receive it, but if God is not saying it's acceptable, then the blessing that comes from the giving won't be there because you didn't give eagerly. Next verse. Let's go, guys. It says what? Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I mean only that there should be some equality. In other words, Paul is saying, I don't mean for you to give all your stuff away and now you're poor. Paul is saying that, that at the time that you have abundance, your, libera- your, 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 your abundance can help somebody who's in need. So, so that when they are in abundance, when you're in need, vice versa, they can bless you. Keep reading. He says what? Right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. So Paul is dealing with this church here. He says, uh, next verse, come on, let's read. He says what? As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Next verse, let's go, guys. 
But thank God he has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. Paul has some enthusiasm for this church, right? Next verse, it says what? Titus welcomed our request that he visit you again. In fact, he himself was very eager to do what? To go in to see you, guys. Read it. Watch this. Watch this. We are also sending another brother with Titus. All the churches praise him as a preacher of the good news. Now, what Paul is doing right now is confirming the validity and the honesty of, this, of his, his co-worker named Titus. Because when it comes to handling money and, and monetary resources, you want to make sure you got people who are honest. Amen? You got to have somebody who's honest. And so now he's, he's letting them know that, that Titus is a good brother. You can trust him. Can they get a witness? So, so when we look at this thing, so this church here, and I want you to go to Matthew the sixth chapter, right? Go to Matthew the sixth chapter, right quick, and we're going to be pick back up here uh, in, in 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 verse number uh, uh, verse number twenty. But Paul encouraged this Corinthian church to follow through on what they had promised. It's important for us to promise, follow through on what we promised God. Amen. I love all of y'all, and I, I want to encourage you to, to, to catch hold to this spirit of generosity. Please hear me. This is not about money. It's about our hearts. Are y'all listening to me? But Paul said, I'm measuring the genuineness of your love by comparing it to the eagerness of other churches. You cannot separate your, your material possessions and your spiritual walk with God. They are inseparable, okay? Look at what Jesus said here. So we said, uh, generosity helps us invest in what matters. Uh, he says, store, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Next verse says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Make no mistake about it. Our heart follows where our treasure is. Our heart follows where our treasure is. Look at what he says in the next verse. He says this, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Next verse says, no one can serve two masters. Here's the point. For either you will hate one and love the other, you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and what? I need to just repeat that out loud on purpose. We cannot serve what? God and money. We cannot serve what? And money. My question to you today, who are you serving to? Look at, look at our, on, on your notes, we said this, we said that, Storing up treasure in heaven. What does that mean? Well, how do we store up treasure in heaven? Number one, we said, uh, by giving to the work of the gospel. By giving to the work of the gospel. Helping God's word go out, bringing people to Christ and changing their lives is very essential for this church and any other church. We store up treasures by giving to the work of the gospel. When you support your church's effort, man, we had an awesome time uh, last night as 318 Church launched there in downtown Shreveport at the hub of uh, the marginalized, the homeless, those who on the fringe of society came in 
worship together with uh, the, the saints of God, got a word of encouragement, fed them, um, and, and it, it, was, it was a great experience. Those things don't happen, guys, without the support of the membership of our church. Uh, we, we, we bless uh, that ministry with a, uh, with, a, with a soundboard. I tell you, one of the things that God has, has told me about this church is we're going to continue to be a generous church. And we bless them with a soundboard so that they can, they can continue to do the work of ministry down there. And we'll continue to serve. You can plug in every, every Saturday at 5 p.m. They're having the worship service and interacting with the Mars. Now, let me ask you a question. I got to ask you a question. And y'all hear me very carefully. How many of y'all okay with coming and serving uh, uh, inside the four walls of these churches, but, but you're a little hesitant about connecting with people who don't quite look like you, who may, may look a little funny, may even smell a little funny. How many of y'all are willing to, to, to put some time into reaching out beyond your immediate family? What I will submit to you is that many people are okay with coming and sitting on Sunday, but when it comes to worshiping and doing this stuff, there's a disconnect. I told you before, God told me it's time for EBC to get busy doing this work. We, many of us are fat on the word of God. How many of y'all know what it means to be fat on the word? That means that we, we get it, we, we digest it, we go to every study. But when it comes time to tangibly do the stuff, when was the last time you engaged in doing some ministry work outside of coming and studying together? Wow. I want you to think about that. When was the last time you blessed somebody? When was the last time you, you said, I'm going to go and serve over here? I'm going to go and witness over here. I'm going to go, and, and, and I know when I go to my family reunion, and when I go to the gathering, I'll have an opportunity. There are going to be some, some wild folks there, some who will not say, but I'm not going to go there with, 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 a, with a, a, a snooty attitude. How many of y'all know as Christians we can't be snooty? Oh, y'all don't know what student mean. Let me, let me take it back to some of y'all. How many of y'all act stuck up? Y'all know what stuck up means? Stuck on yourself. Guys, if you watch Jesus' life, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the religious leaders were upset with him. Why? Because he went to eat at Zacchaeus' house, the dreaded tax collector. Jesus went to this house, and the Bible says, we quoted that, when we first started the series, when Jesus told him to come down out of the sycamore tree, tonight I'm eating dinner at your house. Boy, the Pharisees got mad. They, 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 they said, I can't believe he's going to eat with this notorious sinner. He ought to be ashamed of himself. But I will tell you guys, not, there's too few of us as believers who are taking time to go and connect with people who are marginalized, to connect with people who are, who are sinners, who need to know a word from God. It's time to get busy. If not now, when? Now, now, now how many of y'all are here are past 60? Let me see your hands if you're not, if you're not ashamed. Come on, see your hands. You're past 60. All right, how many of y'all are past 60? Let me say it one more time. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm one year away. I'm, I'm, I'm about to join the 60 Club next year. But do you not realize that if, if, if all things are equal, if you don't live to be 120, you got more days behind you than you do ahead of you. So what's going to be your legacy? 
Okay, come on. Let, let's back up a little bit further because I want to get the, the, the young adult crowd. Young adult crowd. Where are my 25 to 45? I'm, we're going to put it in, in, in that category. How, I, let me see my 25 to 45-year-olds. Okay, all right. Y'all are in that prime period where you should have the energy to run hard for the Lord. Now, we in the Sixty Club still got some energy, right? Come on, Sixty Club. Come on, Sixty Clubbers. I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm close to you. We still got some energy and strength. We ain't dead yet. God can still use us to transform folks' lives. But you 25 to 45-year-olds, I need to see you plugged in to ministry. I, I, I don't need, Listen, the days of parting like, like it's 1999 are over. 99 is gone. God says, I want to use you in your prime, not when you, you, know, you, you can't hardly move. I want to use you to do the work of ministry. Let's get busy doing the work of ministry. Become, submit to discipleship. That means come and learn of the Lord. Come be engaged. Don't just be a Sunday morning only Christian. Are you listening to me? Too many of our churches are filled with people who are only there on Sundays. And God is saying it's time for you to, to get connected, to, to go deeper. Everybody say go deeper. So, so, so uh, we store up treasure in heaven by, by giving to the work of the gospel. When you support your local ministry and we support uh, this ministry and we give it to, to, to ministries that are, that are doing what we are not necessarily equipped or have the facility to do, then that's happened. When we give to our mission in Haiti, we sow monthly to, to our, our church and schools in Haiti. And they're doing stuff that we aren't in a position to do, and, and, they're, and they're having kingdom impact. But when you sow into that, that's helping promote the gospel. Amen? So we give. When, when, when our live stream goes out, our radio ministry goes out, and when we partner with all these God-centered uh, uh, organizations that are doing the work, who are, who, are, who are working with those who are marginalized, and we connect with them, then now we are helping the spirit of generosity permeate throughout our area, guys. So by giving to the work of the gospel, we, we, we store up treasure in heaven by showing kindness. Jesus promised that every act of kindness will receive a reward in heaven. When's the last time you were just kind to somebody? I mean, just, just, just do something nice for somebody. I tell you, that spirit of generosity will permeate when we do that on a regular basis. How many of y'all are known for being mean? Don't raise your hand. I don't want you to embarrass yourself. How many of you are known for being kind? Okay, okay, all right, all right. Let me ask somebody who knows you, okay? All right, but, but, but we ought to be known for being kind as Christians. The world needs to see a church. The world needs to see a church that's walking in unity and is showing the spirit of generosity and is showing the kindness that our Savior desires for us to show. And when the world sees that, they're going to be attracted to what we have going on. But they don't see that in you. If you're the meanest person at work and then you invite them to come to your church, guess what? They say, I don't want to go over there. What kind of people go to that church? If they like you, if everybody in the church was just like you, let me ask you a question. What kind of church would we have? Aren't you glad everybody's not like you? I'm glad everybody's not like me. We all have different giftings. All of y'all, I think this is a great church. I think God has gifted us and with, with some great people, but we're not perfect. 
But if we all put our giftings together and you do your part, I do my part, then we can work in, in unison and let the body of Christ will have the kingdom impact that God desires for it to have. Let's work together. Everybody say, let's work together. So uh, we still treasure heaven by giving to the work of the gospel, by showing kindness. And when we give to the poor, do you not uh, go to Proverbs 19 and 17 with him right quick. I want you all to see this. And I've, I've shared this with you before, but I need you all to really grasp this. Let me say something to you. We live in a world now where the word of God to a lot of well, to the world, it doesn't mean anything. But but there are a lot of Christians who 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 divorced themselves from the study of Scripture. Proverbs nineteen and seventeen. There are a lot of Christians who divorced themselves from the study of Scripture. Now, why is that important? I'm a, I'm going to teach you. If the Lord say the same, I'm going to teach a spirit teacher. It's not a spirit teacher series on on uh, from, from 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 resource material I've been studying uh, a light into my pathway. See, the Bible is, should be in Psalms, I think Psalms 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Well, if the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway, it shows me where I should go. It's, as I heard one brother say, it's not a spotlight, but it's a, it's a light that shows me which direction to go in. Well, if I don't spend any time here in this, it won't guide me. Your Bible is not going to get up off that coffee table and say, come read me. Come study me. Go to the small group that you were assigned to go to and, and, and participate and do the study. It's not going to do that. You have to do something. No church can grow you without your participation. You got to be willing to engage. I need you to do me, do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, pastor is preaching to us. He says, we must choose to engage. All right. Y'all got it. Now, you know it, right? Let's, 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 I'm going to read this from NLT. Then I'm going to go to the KJV, Brother Jason. Let's read together. It says what? If you help the poor, you are what? Lending to the Lord. And he will what? Repay you. Now, I'm an ex-banker. Yvonne's an ex-banker. And we used to loan money for a living. All right. Now, I will tell you, there is an art and there is a science to being able to lend money and get it back. There ain't no art and science to lending money because many of y'all have loaned money but didn't get it back. But there isn't a process that you have to go through to evaluate and the effectiveness and the ability of a person to pay back the loan that they're asking for. If you ask me for a loan for $500,000 and let's say the note is $12,000 or $10,000 a month and you're making $7,000 a month, what's we going to do? Now, if I gave you that loan, I would be hurting you rather than helping you. That, that's just a simple uh, a cash flow deficit right there. You can see off the bat, right? If you bring it home seven, your payment is 10 and you had not bought groceries yet. I would be doing you a, 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 really, I would be hurting you and not helping you, even though you think I'll be helping you. Give me the $500,000 so I can get the house passed, so I need the house. But if you get the house and can't keep it, have I helped you? I really haven't. The, so we have to try to determine whether or not a person was going to pay us back, and then sometimes we missed it. But look here, guys. 
here's what I want you to know. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord. Now, let, let me, God ain't like us. He has the cattle on a thousand hills. And when you lend to him, guess what? You don't have to worry about him paying you back. Because that's the kind of God he is. Look at it from the KJV. I like, I like the way this reads too. Are y'all still tracking with me? See, guys, we got we to be honest about you know, uh, 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 what God is doing in our life and how he, 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 he wants to help. He says, he that had pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he had given, will he pay him again? God is honest. God is true. God will not let his word come back to him void. He watches over it to perform it. So when we give to the poor, when we minister to those who are less fortunate, it's just like lending to the Lord. And my God, credit score is off the charts. He had never not paid his debt. Can I get a witness? So, so, so learn when, 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 when Proverbs says this, Take it and, 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 and realize that when God urges you to do a thing, don't worry about how it's going to happen, how it's going to work out. God is true to his word. And if you sow where he tells you to sow, he will return that unto you. Some of y'all have done it already found it out. I, 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 uh, uh, we, you just, uh, that Sunday after I gave that challenge, we were in the park and uh, ran across a young lady um, we started talking to her and having communication with her. Maria and Sister Zandra started talking to her, and, and we, we blessed her. She had four kids, single mom with four kids. And, and, and she came, didn't have a bench reserved there, but she came later than what she intended to come. And when she got there, we were just now dispersing. Our youth ministry had an event there, youth, young adult, uh, CK kids had an event there in the park. And we were leaving. She came to ask, could she have uh, that table that we had reserved? I don't think that, and I know it wasn't by happenstance. God, amen, allowed the timing to come together. And many times stuff that happened in your life, you think it just was an accident, it was by luck. No, 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 no. God will orchestrate your footsteps and he'll, he'll run people across your path and put you in a place at the right time to meet the right person. And they shared with her and they ministered with her and then we blessed her with a seed. I said we blessed her with a seed. I said we blessed her with a seed. And guess what happened? I, this, this, is not, this is not giving to get. I'm just telling you God will do this sometime just to encourage you to keep on giving. This, listen, this is not a, okay, if I give this amount, God will give me this amount. About. God, God just wants to be faithful and trust him. All I know is if we trust him, he will provide. I've seen it do it time and time again. I'm not telling you something that, 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 I, that I just read about in the book. I'm telling you what God has done in our life. And guys, let me tell you something. It was that Sunday evening I discovered that somebody had sold into my life uh, a, a significant sum uh, that I was not expecting. Now, God will do that just to encourage you to keep on trusting me. I'm behind this, God says. The spirit of generosity needs to permeate in your heart and in my heart. Can I get a witness? So he that pit up, had pit up on the poor land to the Lord and that which he had given, will he pay him again? So let's get back, to, get back to Matthew 6. So generosity helps us invest in what matters. We got to store up treasures in heaven. Lastly, generosity frees our 
heart. It frees our hearts. Get back to this famous scripture that we've read before. Matthew 6 and 21. Generosity frees our hearts. When you learn how to do this, when you learn how to not be stingy, when you learn how to give by grace, because again, we said, remember, grace giving, when we give in spite of the circumstance, when we give enthusiastically, when we give as Jesus gave, when we give willingly, and when we give by faith, that's grace giving. That's grace giving. Paul uh, was, was, was encouraging the church at Corinth to catch hold to this because God will use us to be a blessing to others. You know, all of us, if, if we're honest about it, have seasons in our life where we had greater abundance than others. In, in a capitalistic society, guys, the economy expands and contracts, right? Uh, right now, we're in the middle of a, a, a recessionary environment, okay? Uh, and um, uh, not only a recessionary environment, but not really a recessionary environment, but an inflation environment. Stuff is high, Right? Everybody say gas is high. Gas is high. Bread, is high. Bread is high. Toilet paper is high. <laughs> Everything is high. Now watch this. I need somebody north of 60. Jeff, I'm looking at you right now. Jeff, have you, have you lived through an inflationary period before? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. How many of y'all remember, Yvonne, you remember the, the 80s, the mid-80s, when banks were failing right and left? I got into banking in the mid-80s when the oil and gas and real estate market in, in, in Louisiana was crashing. And banks were failing right and left. Bad loans were just the order of the day. And even at that time, I remember, guys, y'all talking about interest rates have been low for an extended period of time. I remember some of y'all, some of y'all got a 3.4% mortgage, 3.2%. Some of y'all got a 2.75% mortgage rate. I remember when 12% was a good rate. See, some of y'all need some perspective. Huh? Ooh, ooh, what's we going to do? I'm going to do the same thing I did when it was 12%. I remember when 16% was a good rate. What am I going to do? This stuff is going I'm going to do the same thing I did when it was 16%, Bobby. I'm going to trust God. If he carried me through back then, doggone it, he'll do it again. So why are you worried? Oh, 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 oh. Philippians 4, come on. Here, help me. And I, I got to get out. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Thank you, Holy Ghost. See, some of y'all need some perspective. Things are worse off than there's ever been. Well, let me, let me ask you a question. Did you live in 1950? Have you go back and asked what, what the climate was in 1950? Okay, oh, this is the worst it's ever been. Did you live through slavery? Get some perspective. God has brought you from a mighty long ways and if he brought you from a mighty long ways back then, from the end of there, he can keep on doing it. He just wants you to trust him. See, we need some perspective. So, so I know rates are going up. I know people saying, well, don't do this now because things are high. Baby, let me tell you something. If God gives you the release to do it, he'll provide you the, the means to take care of it. And, and if you're in a, if you listen to me carefully, if you're in a hard place right now, trust God to get out of it. Don't moan. Don't be depressed about it. Just learn to trust God. Say, God, I'm going to trust you through this thing. I'm going to do some of my part. 
Yo, how many of y'all have, how many of y'all have ever done stupid before? I'm raising my hand. I've done stupid before. In case you get offended, an unwise choice. Some of y'all like that a little bit better. But I, I don't know about you, but I have to talk to myself. When I say unwise choice, that makes me feel a little bit better. But when I say, I, that was stupid. Why did I do that? Oh, that makes me kind of perk up and say, that was wrong. I don't need to do that again. I've done stupid before. Stupid don't feel good. So I try not to, God help me, do not do stupid again. I'm sure there'll be, be something I'm going to do that was un, is un, stupid. I'm not, I, I want to say unwise because that sounds better, doesn't it? See, when you lie, you don't want people to say you lie. You don't say, well, you know, I just had a different perspective. No, you lie. <laughs> if we start calling sin what it is then, and stop trying to placate ourselves, maybe we'll do better. Right. No, you lied to me. You said you were going to come. You didn't come. No, no. Tell the truth. Okay. Watch this. And I'm going to finish on time today. I promise you I am. But I need y'all to hear the spirit of generosity. God is talking to us because he wants to use this church to demonstrate his generosity. And that doesn't happen until we learn how to give. To give of our time, talent, our resources. To give eagerly, not no, not, not, not out of constraint or compulsion. Don't ever give because you feel like you made to give. Give because you understand God's blessing. You understand his will for your life. And you understand that if I can trust him in this area, I can trust him for just about anything. Paul, writing to the church of Philippi, says what? Let's read. Don't. Now watch this. Stop, 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 stop. You didn't know the English language. Notice there's a word in front of don't that you don't have to put there. It's an understood what? You. You don't worry about anything. What, 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 why are you worrying then? All right, this is Bible. I didn't make this up. So whenever I or you find ourselves worrying, guess what? We're out of the will of God. But you're going to pull this out the Bible? But my pastor, things, some things are so hard. I know things can be hard. I'm not dismissing that. But the text says what? Don't worry about anything. Instead, do what? Pray about everything. That's what it says. And then it says what? Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. See, every time I want to try to have a pity party with myself and start thinking, well, God, you know, I don't know. I, don't, I can't see your hand. I, want to. I, I, I go back and I, I look back over my life. I, mean, I, start, I, start, I start looking back over. Okay, I see what he did back in, in 1986. I know what he did in 1990. When I was in a similar situation back then, he came through for me then. And if he did it back then, he'll do it again. I start thanking him for what he's already done. I thank him for all he's done and that stimulates my faith to know that he can do it going forward. Because I, I serve a faithful God. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then. Everybody say then. See, see, see then. Then means it's after you've done verse 6. 
But until you do verse 6, you won't ever get to verse 7. Then. Everybody say then. Then. Say then. Then. Say then. Then. I say then. Then. I need y'all to go with me right quick. Then. Then. You'll experience God's peace. Oh. Now watch this. It ain't your peace. It ain't your mama's peace, your daddy's peace, your brother's peace. But when you experience, then. Everybody say then. then. See, we need to have some then moments in our life. But let's, let's go back in case you forgot. Verse 6, come on one more time. I got 45 seconds. Verse 6 says what? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Stop Ask him what you need. Ask him. Tell him. Old folks saying, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Call him up. Call him up. Tell him what you want. If you're sick and you can't get well, tell him what you want. Tell him. Don't sit there and moan and murmur and and, and fret. Tell him what you want. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. Don't worry about anything. Stay pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Now, you got to do this. And as you, as you, if, as you pray instead of worrying, and you got to, sometimes you got to pray, your, pray to worry out your mind. You got to pray it through. Some of y'all are going through some hard times, some things you're struggling with now. Pray it through. I thank God. You know what? I learned to appreciate God for the hard times because I've learned more about him in adversities than I have in good times. I promise you I have. I learned more about his faithfulness, Yvonne, when I'm going through something than even more so when I'm when I'm when I'm experiencing a time of, of joy and prosperity. When God brings you through one of those moments, you know, he's God. When God brings you through the death of a loved one, you know, he's God. It's painful. It hurts. And I know it hurts and it's painful. But when you, when you allow God to, to, to just ride along with you and bring you through that storm, there ain't nothing nobody can tell you about your God. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then. Everybody say then. Not until you've done that will you do this. Experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ. Pastor, how long? I can't tell you how long it's going to be for you before this peace comes. But I can tell you this. If you start, if you keep praying, if you keep thanking him for all he's done and, and, and you keep doing that, you keep doing that then. You're going to experience his peace. And he's going to keep you. Because you are his. Spirit of generosity. Needs to permeate in our lives. So the world can see the God in us. Because we're made in his image and his likeness. And he loves every last one of us. I don't care where you've been, what you've done. I don't care how royally you messed up. God still loves you. And he wants the very best for you. 
He wants to have a relationship with you. He doesn't want to kick you out out the, out, out the house. He wants you to be there close to him, abiding by the Holy Ghost fire. Let him do what only he can do in your life, the spirit of generosity. Let's walk in it. Let's, let's move in it. Let's show the world what our God is truly like. Generosity frees our hearts. Amen. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed.